it cost me like two hundred and fifty dollars to go a la carte. So I gotta have everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, but I need some of that general sows and I need some of that orange chicken and I need beef and broccoli and I need lo mein and I need sweet and sour chicken and I need crab rangoon and I need some egg rolls and I need some egg drop soup. I need I'm lo mein, I need fried rice. I've been doing Chinese. I do my dance moves and I get down camera. like that. It's my Chinese food wrap, dude. I feel like that was a wrap for a minute. Hello, everybody, and you are listening to the Other Ship Podcast, wherever it is, whenever it is you're listening. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Chris Spiker. With me tonight, as always, are my wonderful co-host, Drew Sleroy. What up? And wonderful producer, producer extraordinaire, Michael T.S. Herrick. Yo. And supposed to be with us tonight are Chris Saha, but he he's not here for reasons we will get to later on in this broadcast. So last week, I made mention of people that helped get us here. And there's a guy who actually helped kind of get me here personally. I know listens. I want to shout him out a little bit because I don't think I did last week properly. And that's Frankie Seacrest. All around great guy. We'll have him on here in a few weeks, but he did Broken Kayfabe and he got me on. And as soon as I started being on there with him, he goes, dude, he goes, you should be hosting a podcast. Well, here we are. So he kind of helped push me in that direction. And him and Michael actually really kind of like, dude, you're a natural at this. Why aren't you doing more with it? So here we are. Um, so guys, how how we doing? Fantastic. How you doing? How you doing? You guys threw together a hell of a draft. <laughs> good, <episode>. man. <laughs> Good. You guys threw together a hell of a draft episode last night with our boy Travis. I'm very impressed. I mean, I haven't listened to all of it because it was over four hours, and that's a, that's a lot of football talk. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was a crazy night at the draft. A lot of surprises. Yeah, and it seem, seems like tonight was no different. I haven't followed the NFL draft religiously, but I follow it through you guys, so it all works out pretty well. So, so. anyways, on our fine show this evening, we have... The wrestling talk, which a lot of you come here for. We're also going to discuss canceled TV shows that were canceled too soon or we wish would have continued. And then we're going to end it with a little music talk. So something a little different here. Gentlemen, we ready to rock and roll? Let's do this thing. Awesome. All right. So I feel we need to address some happenings in the wrestling world this week. Monday night, Triple H unveiled this title belt and said pretty much, okay, Roman makes his own schedule, but we need a champ that's going to be here all the time. Unveiled this new title belt. And then and then the draft took place tonight. But I want, definitely want to talk about Roman Reign, the new title belt and what it means and how they should do it going forward. So my thought on it is how many different ways can you protect Roman's title reign instead of them getting one belt off of it? I mean, it kind of seems like a consolation prize title saying, okay, this is totally a Vince McMahon idea, even though Vince is nowhere to be found, or this is some sort of compromise. So what do you guys think? Well, my opinion, I look at it like a UFC title situation. They can't get, you know, for instance, Brock Lesnar to agree to whatever the fight is, whatever the contract money is, whatever, then they just have an interim heavyweight title fight. And then, you know, Stipe or whoever wins that, and then you build up your next champion versus champion fight for a guy who only wants to work 20 times a year or whatever which i mean guys earned a spot but my other argument is this i don't really it's not i'm not really bothered or nothing but like i said i don't, I don't watch the tv religiously so i just watch the big shows <laughs> and then i get i watched the little packages leading into the big match and you're like oh wow 
Oh, great. So I don't see the, the awfulness that goes into the weekly TV. <laughs> and you might actually be better that way. Okay, so so this is where I know Michael and I are going to have a conversation yeah. about this, because I definitely want to hear his views and opinions. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely look at it a lot different. I don't think any of it's done to protect Roman or anything else because they have no reason to worry about that. I think this is probably solely driven by corporate partners where each of your competing uh, shows, however you want to look at it, they're run by different networks and they both want a world champion on the TV as they were promised when the TV deals were signed. And it is not a coincidence at all that these contracts will be coming up for renewal fairly soon. So you need a world champion on each show to keep these networks engaged and interested in airing your program. You can't have your big star, your big champion wrestling on one show once a month, maybe appearing one other time in that month on TV. Now you've, it's your decision you made to uh, let Roman work this schedule. And as Drew said, He's earned it. He deserves it. He's gotten his character and this angle over bigger than anything. And I don't even know how long. Agreed. But for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, all people complain about is oversaturation, seeing the same people wrestling each other week after week after week for months on end in feuds. Here we have Roman being used as an attraction with that title, not on TV and shoved down our throat every week mentioned in the storyline current and in everybody's minds, but not wrestling his opponent for three months at a time on TV and pay-per-view. By putting this new title, this is not a first-time thing. There is precedent for this at least twice in company history where they do this after they make a decision to merge titles. That's where the problem comes in, is the decision to merge titles every time. Because then, invariably, one of their corporate partners is unhappy yep. that they don't have it now. And so this is what they have to do because this is a, a big company. It's not rinky-dink little things anymore. But what, what do you think, Drew? I know you've got an opinion here, I can see. Uh, you mentioned uh, how things that have kind of flip-flopped I was, and it kind of triggered my thought of how we used to freak out all the time, how they used to switch to title like every week. And now they have like a, a guy putting together a run and now it's like, now we're, <laughs> we're reverse mad. Exactly. And I think it goes to, I don't know if the fickle nature of a wrestling fan is the way to put it, but we're never, people are never satisfied by and large with whatever is being presented to. If the title's changing hands constantly, why can't it be like in the seventies when the NWA champ held the belt for seven years at a time or Bruno's eight year run or Ganya, however the hell long he had the AWA time. 19 as years, soon, four months and 12 days. Um, <laughs> as soon as they do a long Ganja. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as they do a long running title, it's, well, why aren't they moving the belt around? Give somebody else a chance. Why are we doing this? You know, pick something and be happy or just complain about everything. I know people that complain about everything, no matter what. I actually I think can't we all know people. Imagine, yeah, quite a few. <laughs> but I can't, I can't imagine living my life that way. I watch this stuff to be entertained. I don't watch it to critique and pick apart every move they make. If it's patently stupid, sure. But I don't think that's what this is. I think this is simply a case of you're going to be renegotiating your TV rights deals and you want the most money you can get. That means you need at least two engaged parties that want to broadcast your program so you if you have to bend over backwards to make one of them happy so be it true uh do we think this might be a uh, a reaction to AEW 
getting ready to start that Saturday show? Because aren't they gonna aren't they starting another show now? Yeah, and that I, I don't know enough about it. What little I've read, it sounds like that might be the CM Punk show, I guess. CM Punk and whoever else wants to CM Punk FTR, because I guess they want to keep them away from the elite. Right. For, you don't want to work with them or whatever. Yeah, which that's, is stupid, but that's a whole nother if you're a if you're the VP of a company your job is to help make that company money. Exactly. Using refusing to have the biggest match your company could ever have in its history. It could be a cocaine fever dreams booking scenario from somebody. <laughs> And it could just be this ultimate work, but I don't know. Are are they capable of pulling off such an elaborate ruse? At least it's not an elaborate Roussel. Um, (laughs) Or Rougeau. (laughs) An all-American ruse. That, and it just means he's going to come up behind Dynamite Kid with a sack of quarters or whatever it was, <laughs> and, or a roll of quarters and beat the shit out of him. I'm fooled. I'm fooled. There wasn't a lot of elaboration of anything involved with Russo. The Roman Reigns thing. I'm a Roman fan. I think the work he has been doing is spectacular. I mean, do I think some of the stuff is kind of silly? Yes, but I think they're building towards something more. But I think what that is, is yet to build out. Now, I think around WrestleMania last year, I think in our group of friends that we discussed, we said, this unification of titles that can come back and bite him in the ass. And I think that's kind of what it did. You're like, okay, what do we do? And I think, you know, Triple H is like, hey, we're just going to make another title. Remember the time they gave the title to me after making a new title? Right. And then they did that. That's where yeah. the universal title came from. Yeah. yeah. It's not like this, they're not setting a precedent here or anything. No. Yeah. And that's why I don't. I don't understand all the freaking out about it. If this was the first time anything like this had ever happened, absolutely. I just just think that it could have, I think it could have been avoided. And I think maybe that's why I'm so annoyed is it could have very easily been avoided this time. I don't don't know that it could have easily been avoided though, because you made such a big deal about putting the titles together and making it a unified thing that, I mean, there'd be as many complaints if they split the titles up because then it's, well, I thought, I thought this was all one thing and this was Roman's deal. Now, now he lost one title, but not the other. So if he loses the other one, then that devalues whoever beats him for that title. Well, I subscribe to the scenario and somebody, I can't take credit for this. Some, somebody on the internet wrote it. You have whoever wins money in the bank. Roman and then Heyman comes out and said it was only for one title though you know he didn't say anything about that so that's how you would split the titles and still have Roman keep one title don't don't get me wrong I'm I'm okay with Roman being champion don't get it mixed up I'm cool with this because I know we've either discussed on air or off air how that storyline could end up but I'm not so sure anymore I just think it's kind of weird and maybe it's because I've questioned a lot of their booking decisions and you know it's becoming less and less obvious who's really in charge in that promotion anymore but Okay, so we have this new title belt, which, judging from the draft tonight, I do believe it is going to Raw, because Roman's going to SmackDown. Right. That's fine. I, You know, you keep them apart, and obviously put Cody on Raw, so everybody's thinking Cody is going to win this title belt. So, that being said, do you put the belt on Cody, and then you build up to Cody versus Roman again for all the title belts, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like Unicron, or, you know, something like that, or Thanos getting the Infinity Glove, and he's like, yes! Or do you go with somebody less predictable and have Cody continue to chase it? Do you think Cody is the chase for Roman now? Do you think Cody builds back to Roman or do you think that he has this title belt and that's like kind of the consolation prize? I think Cody wins because when you keep those belts on Roman, he's up here. He's the up. He's literally on top of the mountain and he's only around every once in a while. And that lets Cody continue his build and his ability to say with uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for with truth behind it, that I'm the guy carrying this thing. I'm the guy 
I've got everybody on my back and we're running. I'm here every week. I'm the guy. And, you, know, you just show up and, you know, you just show up and, you know, everybody kisses your ass and da 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 You know, I'm the guy that's here putting in the work and blah, 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 blah. And then, you, you mean, you mean all of his allocates? Hey, <laughs> if they last longer than like 40 minutes, though, they're called. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, what do you think? You know, without having watched the show and hearing anything they might have said this week, I really can't say. Well, I was going to say that kind of leads into our draft conversation, which we're going to cover then, too. And we can kind of come back to that if you prefer at least the first half of the draft, because they're doing half tonight and then they're doing half on Raw next week, which I think we'll cover during next week's show. Sure. So, but anyways, I anyway, back back to your point. I didn't want to. Well, I, what I was going to say, I can't say that there's any reason why Roman would win this title too, because I, I think this is strictly a thing to satisfy your broadcast partners. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to create a new title, to have Roman win it. Now, six months down the road, if that happens, it's a different view, but I can only operate with the information I have currently. So I can't say that's going to happen or the ultimate plan is for Roman to win this title. I don't really feel like the booking has changed that much since yeah, Vince did or did not come back into any kind of creative power. I haven't noticed that much of a change. And I still think we're on the same track that we've been on, that the actual conclusion of the bloodline angle had nothing to do with Sami Zayn directly. It's uh, Jey Uso, where it all started. And by the looks of the draft, the first pick was Roman, Solo, and Paul Heyman. Not the entire bloodline. The Usos were not a part of this draft. So that's furthering the storyline and yes. the separation of the group. Yes. So again, I don't think the bookings changed. So no, I, I think what happened is whenever they decided to merge the two titles, there was no thought in their mind of getting to a certain date or length of reign for Roman as champion. <laughs> thing that came along later. And then it's like, Oh yeah, we don't want to take these titles off of him yet, which is fine because again, they're still building this big angle and there's no reason to take the titles off. Is there a, is there a correlation to like, uh, the feeling of it's like the taker streak? You know what I mean? You know, I don't, I don't know where the idea of not with the reverence, you know, but you know, right. just the uh, wanting to continue it. Yeah. I don't know where that feeling came from and how all of a sudden it became a big deal to get him to at least a thousand days or what mm -hmm. the benchmark is. They're truly looking at this. If it's just a thousand days. Okay, fine. Is it going to get pushed out further? Mm, I think that's just a symptom of them wanting to push their current star as the greatest they've ever had. You know, sure. when, and when Backlund had it, boy, he's even better than Bruno. And when Hogan, oh my God, Hogan was the greatest thing of all time. Well, does then, Bruno you know, still hold the, on and on and on. Does Bruno still hold the record for longest title reign though? Oh yeah. Well, and nobody okay. will touch it because it was eight years. Yeah. It's like, eight, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's modern day. And I think that would end if that happens, you know, H has no say in it because that's H's hero right there besides Flair. And I think that's the one thing he would not do would be to cross that line because Bruno's like his wrestling hero. Well, and I also think that you look at how media is consumed now and how wrestling is looked at by fans now as compared to in the 60s. You can't pull off an eight-year title ring. Yeah. It's impossible. You were seeing Bruno San Martino once a month at the Garden or once a month at the Boston Arena or things like that. You weren't seeing him on tv every week or twice a month you know what i mean yeah you only no, I get it in your market once a month at most so you can't get by with an eight-year title run so i don't think that ever enters in to consideration which is why they constantly say modern day record for these things because you're never going to touch those 
it's a it's like looking at football from that time period to now. They're diff- they're the same sport, but they're different games. Yeah, it's Cy Young's five hundred eleven wins. Yeah, for example, almost so, every major baseball record will never be broken because the game's not played that way anymore. So my view is, and again, this is completely objective to how the draft ends up. I don't think Cody gets his belt right away. I mean, it'd be cool if he did. I'm not going to complain because, as I've stated before, I'm getting more and more into Cody. He's proving that he is his character is a better fit here than it ever was in AEW. Absolutely. I think honestly, if you give it somebody like Seth Rollins or like Finn Balor or somebody like that, I think you open up a whole avenue of storylines right there. Absolutely. Yeah. You leave places for guys to go. Yeah. And I'm still mad. And this is me holding a, me, me holding a flame that Finn never got the title run after he beat Rollins at SummerSlam. Right. And I've always thought the dude's hell talented. He's always been a favorite. Oh my God. Absolutely. You know, he's always been hella talented, you know, in the ring. You know, him and the leader Judgment Day, he proves he's got it on the mic. I strap a rocket to dudes back, and I felt that after that, you know, after he got derailed with the injury for how long, that he never got that spark back. I mean, I could be entirely wrong, but, you know, he is the total package except for his size. Yeah, I, I actually that, really enjoyed his... I mean, I know a lot of people crapped on the uh, the Judgment Day storyline and stuff, but, I mean, I thought the Hell in the Cell with Edge was a pretty good match. Well... I mean, it wasn't a bad match. You found out it was supposed to go longer, but due to Finn getting his head busted wide open. So, I mean, all things considered, you consider that, okay. You know, you take that into consideration. It definitely wasn't a bad match. But when he's healthy and he's in the ring, he he always delivers. If I really sit here and think about it, I can't think of ever really seeing him in a stinker. He's under, again, because he's not a big guy. But then you had Damian Priest in the Judgment Day who did the big guy thing. I think they're underrated as a stable, especially because Dominic Mysterio hiding behind them and working with Finn, working with Damian Priest, working with Ray Ripley, all these more experienced people has made him better. And something I didn't think was going to happen, honestly. I mean, you know. Kind of seems like they're going to split that thing up here, though, it looks like. You know, who's and. Going back to your point, Drew, who has Finn not brought it against? He's always delivering. You know, I mean, matches. and I mean, let's just not forget, we never got the resolution to the rope randomly breaking in that match against Roman when he was a demon <laughs> and the rope just the top rope just randomly snapped. And like, that's it? The fuck? And he um, always just like gets hurt at the inopportune times, you know, like right it, when it's his turn to go and be and the I, guy. And I think that might be the only reason why it doesn't happen for him is Exactly. Just like you said, those moments get taken away because of unfortunate things like that. But I think, you know, somebody about Bobby Lashley on the roll. You know, Lashley's been a monster. Talk about a dude. That's a match we haven't seen with Roman yet. Lashley and Roman beating the shit out of each other would be gold, you know, because Lashley's been on a tear and we never got him in Brock part three, although I don't think we're ever going to now because Brock and Cody are going to probably feud for a good while. How long until we see Austin Theory break into the title picture? He's got a good stranglehold on the U.S. title belt. Yeah, he's definitely at the mid-card level right now, you know. Mid-card champ, you know, like IC level, U.S. champ type worker right now. But you can tell he's, they're priming him. He's such a He's literally had the kids are like, he looks like John Cena. (laughs) Yeah. With, 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 without the hairline in the back. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was awful. I think he got tagged with that comparison back when he was involved. People talked about how much he looked like Cena. Like a prototype, no pun intended. Right. Right. I saw a match of his. He was in an indie show that Christine and I went to about six years ago. AR Fox trained him 
the guy who's tearing it up on AEW trained him and he had nothing when we saw him he was this humble kid and obviously he's not that way now i mean at least his character isn't but he was so different did a complete 180 i'm looking at him i'm going you know what he's gonna be a big name heel someday and here we are six years later and i'm right damn it but i mean he's got it he's got the attitude he's got the look people he's got the face you generally want to see get smacked <laughs> he needs yes. to get rid of that patchy beard though <laughs> That's why him and Lashley work so well together because Bobby Lashley comes stalking down the apron. You know, you know, Austin Theory better run, <laughs> you know, because big boy Lashley ain't messing around. Well, they have a three-way match coming up at Backlash, right? Yeah, it's them and Bronson uh, Reed who... Right, right, okay. Who is friggin' amazing. Yeah, that dude is... Huge fan. He's awesome, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the dude, I mean, I hate to say it, but he's getting the push now that I think Keith Lee should have gotten. Yes. You know, the big guy can move pressure. Right. I mean, watching him come off that top rope is incredible. I mean, it wasn't NXT, and it is here, too. You know, being placed in a feud with Flashley in theory, there are definitely worse places to be. Right. He's no headhunter A, but he's good. <laughs> or B, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question. Which if, one was A and which one was B? We've been asking that for years, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in the position to draft for Monday Night Raw in this scenario since Roman went to SmackDown with the first pick. Who would you take to build your show around? What talent? I, I'm guessing Spiker yours might have been Finn. If you ask me right now, yes. Okay. I think you made a very good case for why you would do that because it, it is extremely unfortunate that he got hurt after winning the Universal type because he had just a tremendous run ahead of him there and, and it didn't get to happen. And he showed he can work as a face and as a heel and he's still over as a heel. And he's like the cool heel almost, kind of like he was when he led the Bullet Club as Prince Devitt. Right. So, I mean, he, he has it, and I firmly believe it. I've always said it, and I just wish he'd get the chance. So. Well, and, and I don't know. If, if you're booking it for storyline or drafting for storyline purposes, uh, I don't have to stick with their current storyline. I'm just saying, like, if who would you want to build that show around? I would probably take the tag team champions, Sammy and KO. Okay. I mean, you've got, you've got defending tag team champions, but you've also got a built-in feud waiting to happen. Sure. Again. Yeah. But still, those dudes, they can do something different every time, you know? Oh, agreed. Right. Agreed. So. Two of the absolute best. But what about you, Mikey? I would build around Gunther. Ooh, and what yeah. I want. Oh, shit. I forgot about I, that. Good call. I would bring Imperium in. Gunther's going to be in. I don't know. What are they doing? A tournament? A Fatal 4-Way? Six-Pack Challenge? Whatever they're doing for this new title. Gunther would be entered into it. Gunther would win the title. Gunther then relinquishes the IC title only because he's forced to. Other, you know, He would be happy to defend both belts. But they take the IC title off of him. Set up a tournament to push a new younger star with that title. Maybe a Montez Ford solo run, getting him the IC title as a possibility. But I would build Gunther there as your champion. And you've got Cody over here involved with Brock, that you can come back to Gunther and Cody at the end of the Rumble yes. down the line, maybe at Mania next year. And you can come back to that and, you know, call back to that finish. And in the meantime, then Gunther can work with other big name talent. And he establishes himself as a dominant world champion and a for sure no doubt main event player going forward in the company because i think he's proven himself as a killer as the ic champ where he's ready for that step agreed where like theory still needs a little seasoning before he takes that step the main event i think gunther's there i uh, shit i forgot about that that's a really good call well we all know the money match that they're sitting on and 
there's probably talked about the. I know the internet's exploded about it, but you can build up, start building to it for next year's wrestling. You do Brock versus Gunther, sure, just to watch see how Brock would react to one of those chops. Every time Gunther hits a chop, I cringe. I'm sorry, it just happens. Yeah, and I just feel it. Like that triple threat WrestleMania was like brutal just to watch. That was, was an awesome match. <laughs> Jesus, you guys feel... I'm surprised neither one of you said Bad Bunny, really. <laughs> um, well, that's why I thought Judgment Day might be breaking up. I mean, you got Rhea just won the women's title, so she's going to be preoccupied with defending that. And hanging out with you know, yeah. uh Edge just kind of... I don't know if he necessarily ended the feud with the Hell in the Cell match, but you know the way that match ended, it kind of was... And then, are they going to let Bad Bunny lose to Priest? <laughs> in Puerto Rico. Right, yeah. The ghost of Bruiser Birdie will not allow this. He'll be getting hit with diapers and cups of piss and batteries and Chinese stars and whatever else. Hold <laughs> it down. Do you say Chinese stars or shiny stars? Both. Why not? Chinese. <laughs> yeah, you get a free one every time you get an order from Calhoun's. <laughs> with them delicious Reuben egg rolls, right? With your Reuben lo mein. <laughs> A.K.A. the Drubin Loman. You want to run through the draft picks from tonight? Yes. We took a detour through Cal- through Calhoun's Chinese restaurant, which is fine. Fantastic Chinese food in the Boston area, from what I understand. Eventually, we'll get up there. Irish Chinese fusion. Calhoun. Yes. I mean, come on. What What is there better than that? You can have sake in one hand, Jameson in the other. Let me tell you, it leads to a bitch of a hangover. Um, <laughs> You're forced one time- cookie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, there was one time I did sake and captain in one night and I woke up the next morning and pictures of something called Monkey Boy in State College, Pennsylvania. It was one of the worst nights of my life, at least drinking nights of my life. And I woke up the next morning and one of the worst hangovers no demand. I would imagine. I was stupid way back when, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so anyways, to the draft list, we have on SmackDown took, as we mentioned, the Bloodline. Lashley actually went to SmackDown. I think he said he went to Raw, but I, I apologize. He's on SmackDown. We have Edge, the entire OC clan, which would be good to have AJ back whenever that happens. Bianca and the Street Profits, which are cool because, you know, Bianca's married to one of them. It's really cool. And then we have Damage Control, which I'm surprised they kept them together. And the NXT Women's Tag Team Champs came up to SmackDown, which I thought was kind of interesting. I I did not expect that to be coming. You know, them taking the champs out of NXT was something I never really thought of. No offense to either one of them, but they definitely weren't the women I thought might be coming up. So I would say, especially with Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, they've got the track record outside of the U.S. that they're definitely main roster ready. Oh, yeah. They've been fantastic as a tag team. So it's a fresh act to bring in. Indy Hartwell coming up to Raw that's interesting to me. I, I see. I saw that coming, but again, with her just getting hurt, though, at the end of NXT this week, from what I read, they're not sure how serious that injury. So hopefully, it's not as bad as they thought. I saw it, and you know the way she came out at the end, there was like oof. So. Over on Raw, we have Cody, Becky Lynch, the Imperium Stable, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, The Miz, Shinsuke, and the aforementioned Indy Hartwell. So, is Drew really uh, is Drew really out? I don't know. Are you? Oh, uh, were there not rumors that uh, he was leaving? The last I knew, they were not close on contract talks. He got lost in a Popeye somewhere along sixty-five. He'll take that, take that for what it's worth. He'll be all right. I don't know what you would do with him at this point, for sure. Yeah, I mean, is there somebody that he's going to do the favor for on the way out? If that's the case, who are you going to elevate? Who are going to use him to elevate? Do you have him go out one more time against Gunther? Do you have like a intercontinental title versus career match? Do you have him put over Cody before he leaves? I was going to say, do you have Cody smash him out? I mean, Drew is a former world champion. Right. And whose reign, unfortunately, I think Drew made this point a while back that uh, his namesake got fucked 
during the COVID pandemic. He had it. Like, he had everything during that, you know, title run. And it just happened at the worst possible time. Can you imagine if he kicked out of that F5 at one in front of a crowd? We'd still be talking about it. This would have gone nuts. Yeah, you know, we'd still be talking about how that was one of the greatest wrestling moments ever, him kicking out that F5. I mean, the the way that the the last, like, real live crowd was Royal Rumble before everything went down. And when, I mean, they were hot for him, dude. Oh, dude, him, when he bro-kicked Lesnar out, the place, like, I could have sworn you saw the roof move. They were so electric about it. Yes. You know, because that, and it's like, dude, it's like, it's right there. And then, of course, the way of the world, but they never brought a background to see if drew could do what they wanted him to do for like for real right i I think it was too i think they probably felt it was too soon to just recycle it again in front of people (laughs) how do you get him heated back up to that level again i'm not sure you could because it was kind of an organic thing and the crowd was so behind him and the timing was just the worst possible you could have you can't you can't unfortunately recreate the level to which he was over and recapture that magic that was there it was unfortunately terrible timing and a lost opportunity to make a legit not legend necessarily but one of the most over guys they've had in a long time and it's all down to circumstance you could have him legitimately cut somebody's head off with a sword (laughs) (laughs) well i i think a good match to start rebuilding that mystique is a match like the one that we just talked about at WrestleMania. You know, if you were going to try to reposition Drew like that, have that same match with Sheamus and Gunther and just have him be the guy that delivers the, you know, the death blow. Cause I mean, obviously they legitimately were beating the tar out of each other. Yeah. And you know, that definitely proves the toughness, but you know, let Drew, if you're going to put him back in that spot, you know, have him really be the definitive winner. And I think that, you know, the people would react to, especially if, you know, with, they reacted strong to Gunter and he's the heel. Yeah. You know, so if you've got Drew as the baby face coming after a heel Lesnar, that's a match like that's really going to get a baby face over if you put him over. Honestly, especially if you do it strong and clean. Honestly, though, I think as much as I love to have Drew come back, it comes back to what do you have him do if he doesn't come back that wrestlemania match is a perfect way for him to go out right but i think it's probably going to be good for him to take off for a little while go out do something different he'll be back do you think he might fit in like new japan or that's what i'm thinking i think i I mean AEW man i mean they got some good stuff but there's just too many yeah it's like man where is everybody? They have incredible talent. Don't ever get me wrong. You know, again, that's the problem. There's just way too much going on. And hopefully this new show will help kind of alleviate that. You know, and, and hell, you bring Roderick Strong in now? Come on. Roddy's too good to be off. You know, I've watched Roddy for years and he's tr- terrific in the ring, I feel. And he's another guy that's just going to get lost in a shuffle like everybody else. So it's like everybody has these big debuts and everybody's like, ah, and then like, like Claudio, I don't know where he went. Uh, he's ring of honor. Now the ring of honors picking back up steam. He's been doing that. But again, well, and I mean, the Blackpool I don't combat even know where club to see it. and, you know, him, the Blackpool combat club thing, which is kind of, you know, I think it's weird that they call him that, even though Regal is not there anymore. Hey, I'm, st- I'm still behind him. They kicked the crap out of the elite. They're cool by me. So, I mean, if you are Drew McIntyre or another big name WWE talent coming near the end of your contract, what has AEW shown you that they're going to do right with you and put you in a better position? Than you're in current because how many guys did, did we all say oh man he's going to get a real opportunity in aew 
to go to that next level that he didn't get to in, in WWE. And it hasn't happened. And who's he going to work with? Chris so Jericho. Think, he towers over everyone. <laughs> I think New Japan is, is the place for him to go. I don't think AEW is going to do anything with him that would be worthwhile because they have too many guys. And it doesn't seem like that the, that these talents coming in like that get a real opportunity to prove themselves at a higher level. And I say that as somebody that watches AEW every week. I watch Dynamite and Rampage. And there's a lot of things happening on that show that I like. But there's a lot of talent that I like that I don't get to see. And maybe this new show will help some of that. I don't know. But I don't see the incentive to go there unless it's they're offering you more money than anybody else. In which I mean, case, sure, you do you. I mean, on a great side note, you can see Fletcher Bailey, a.k.a. AEW's Miro at CWF Legends Fan Fest coming up somewhere in Lutz, Florida on June 3rd. Because um, <laughs> it's always Russo Day down there. Say what's up to Barry. What's up to Barry? Yes, actually, shout out to our boy Barry Rose, our good personal friend who I look forward to seeing again down at CWF Legends Fan Fest coming up June 3rd in Lutz, Florida, headlined by Baron Von Raschke, which imagine my wife's face and I said, hey, you know, yeah, he played a goose step and Nazi bad guy, but then he ended up being a substitute school teacher after he was done. <laughs> <laughs> right she goes she goes wait she goes wasn't that like i'm um, george Steele? she goes yeah didn't he tear turnbuckles off and become a yes yes wrestling is very interesting uh dynamic um karen von raschke john nord um two out of the three of us are going to be there and you know it's it's gonna be a great time we're gonna be talking about a lot more in these upcoming weeks here we're we're god by the time this episode drops we're gonna be almost a month out where the hell would april go guys <laughs> i'd like to know holy shit as you guys probably understand i mean covid kind of ruined the time frame of everything but now being a full-time parent you know mike you probably know it's like what day of the week is it what day is it you know it's like it's april 29th what they blur together yeah everything really does like it's like oh today's friday jj okay cool <laughs> you know that was literally us this morning i said jj is friday it means we get mommy home this weekend yay <laughs> we don't have picard on thursdays to help mark your calendar <sighs> don't remind me yeah like that's how i would mark it by what day of the week things drop on streaming so now i gotta oh. watch i gotta find something new well now you could binge uh, a tv show that may or may not have gotten canceled i gotta say that was one hell of a segue there drew I want to give a shout out to Travis Rains here. Um, a lot of the topics that we discuss on this show are born out of discussions on Facebook Messenger or video calls or like this, the idea for this topic of canceled TV shows was Travis and I talking after recording the NFL draft show last night. Yeah, coming off of that wonderful segue, uh, we'll talk about some canceled TV shows and one of the first ones that comes to mind for me, the first one that literally, as soon as I saw the topic, it was there. Revolution. It was uh, on NBC. It aired from 2012 to 2014. Two seasons, but they did manage to pack 42 episodes into those two seasons. And uh, starring Billy Burke and David Lyons as the two two of the main characters, Miles and... Sebastian or Baz, as he was known on the show. And uh, basically the premise of the show is there's a worldwide power outage. Well, as far as they know. But literally, the world shuts down. And they, people have to go back to living the old-fashioned way. There's, It's kind of the, uh, the post-apocalyptic storyline that seems to be all the rage nowadays, but 
it was a really great show. It started out, it had wonderful, I mean, it was a wonderful story coming into the first season. The first several episodes were just incredible, and, and they were really building this thing, and it was the slow burn, the slow build, really getting in-depth with the story and the character development in the first season. But then NBC really fumbled the ball, and you know everything has to be fall season, spring seasons, everything's seasons for television. So when they first released this show, it was coming in hot in the 10 o'clock time slot after The Voice, which was like the greatest show to everyone out there in TV land. So huge numbers coming out off of The Voice with the lead in and, you know, the first season was hot and then the season's over and then people have to wait six months. And then by then, the fervor dies down. They've also put the blacklist out by this time and it's getting now it's in that time slot coming out of the voice so they move this show to wednesdays as the lead-in show on prime time at seven o'clock when everybody's you know finishing chores getting kids bathed doing you know before you settle down to watch tv so now nobody's seeing the show the the advertising's falling off the ratings go and then they get the note that it's canceled or the cancellation's coming. So then it's time to put 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. And this wonderful, this wonderfully laid out first season that really gives you this depth of character and this huge breadth of storyline to go into is all of a sudden just shoveled down your throat through the last 20 episodes. And it's, it really, it, it almost gets unwatchable to me at the end. And the ending was just nonsensical. And I mean, it's, it's a, the first season to me makes it all worth watching. And then you can it's kind of like the car wreck. You got to just keep rubbernecking and you just got to keep watching it. <laughs> but it was just an incredible show, man. And like I said, there was a great cast, uh, John Carlo Esposito. He played Neville, the, the militia leader and, just a, a great heel in this show. It's it just a, a really good show. Really good show. But the ending is just for something that had so much promise and the way that it fell apart was just, man, it sucked. But I still recommend it to everybody. I'm like, have you ever seen it? You know, I always mention it to people when we talk about TV shows. No, it was actually one of the first things that I kind of bonded with you over. Right. Uh, it was in, I don't know if it was in the mothership or breaking kayfabe somewhere. There was a discussion about TV shows and you brought it up and I'm like, holy shit. I didn't think anybody else, but me watched that show <laughs> all the way through and, and loved that show and thought it was so great. And then watched what happened to it. But yeah, I, it, it would have been on my list, except I knew it would be on your list. <laughs> so I left it off of mine. So then uh, I, I'll stick with this, uh, post-apocalyptic theme and I'm going to roll into a show from the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation. What's uh, the... Um, the acronym is BBC. Thank you. The the British Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, but the show is called Survivors with an S, plural. Not Survivor. But it, it, and it aired from 2008 to 2010. 
and only 12 episodes in two seasons. And each one had a 90 minute, like a uh, mini series type mini movie thing in the middle. And uh, this was uh, a really wild show. And especially considering what happened in 2020, so remember this is started filming in 2008. And basically this show is uh, centered around a virus that is known as the European flu that just wipes out everybody. And it's <laughs> the parallels are frightening almost, but it, it stars uh, a guy named uh, Patterson Joseph, who's in tons and tons of stuff. And as soon as you saw his face, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy." But and then uh, Freya Agyeman, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. She's in uh, a lot of Doctor Who stuff, but she's also in the first episode. But she dies. <laughs> From the spoiler, <laughs> yes, yeah, spoiler alert from 2008. I'm sorry, you've had plenty of time, <laughs> but like I said, it's just it's a it's another wild show, man. Like I said, it's really well done, well, great acting in it, and a great cast. The story, it, it's wild. It's really wild. I don't want to totally give it all away, but it's really great. It's like pandemic based and kind of frightening, especially now looking back. And uh, so, yeah, it's. One of those ones that ratings just weren't there for because at the time it just seemed like a ridiculous premise for our show, but now it's <laughs> overly realistic. So right. it's a, a really odd parallel. And then, uh, so my next show on my list is also from the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation and uh, it's called Green Wing and it aired from 2004 to 2007, 18 episodes over two seasons. And basically, this show is like the the British version of Scrubs. It's based in uh, East Hampton Medical Hospital, and it centers around a group of young doctors, uh, Mac, uh, Guillaume, and Caroline. And Caroline has a crush on Mac. Mac is the young, you know, good-looking doctor. Guillaume is his wise-cracking asshole sidekick buddy, both doctors. It, it, it's just the humor in this show is incredible. I highly recommend this show to anyone and everyone. It airs on uh, Tubi for free, and it is phenomenal. It is hilarious. I recommend it to everyone. You hooked me by saying it's like Scrubs. I love Scrubs. It's like Scrubs, except British. And, on the on the, and the, uh, the, the, the yeah, <laughs> yeah, the British Broadcasting Corporation. But the uh, the humor is just loaded with like the double entendres and and some are not even they're just entendre. There's no <laughs> hiding much of it because it's you know it's British, so there's it's a little more lax in that regard. And there's a lot of like uh, Monty Pythony type comedy in it. You know what I mean? Just that with those British sensibilities. And like I said, I can't recommend this show enough. How did this not succeed? That's that's <laughs> what I'm wondering at this point. Yeah, it actually did really well, but it was kind of like a uh, uh, like how Friends in America was. How all of a sudden it's this big deal, and people want to get paid, and people don't want to pay oh. them, and people left, and it just kind of went. But it was it's a great great show. And then before, uh, I, before I forget, Entendre the Giant for the top. Well, if, if it's a tag match, is it double on Andre the Giant? <laughs> double disqualification on Andre. <laughs> Baba. 
Okay, so uh, my my fourth and final <laughs> favorite canceled show is also from the British Broadcasting Corporation. It's called Gavin and Stacy, and this is a, another just hilarious, hilarious show. And it aired from 2007 to 2010, a total of 20 episodes and one mini Christmas movie that... Uh, aired in 2019, actually. And this show stars a guy named Matthew Horn, who plays Gavin, and a, uh, a girl named Joanna Page, who plays Stacy. And basically, they are uh, they're British, of course. Gavin lives in Essex, and Joanna lives in Wales. I think we know a guy from there. <laughs> but uh, they meet on the internet, so they're constantly talking on the internet, and they're basically falling for each other and yeah, they talk on the phone all the time and then they decide to meet in London. So, you know, she's like, well, I'm kind of weird. What if you're a perv or something? And he's like, well, what if you're a murderer? You know? So she, she's like, well, you bring a friend and I'll bring a friend. So Gavin brings his friend who's played by a guy who hadn't yet become an asshole named James Corden. Who's now (laughs) a a nighttime TV show host, but he plays, our, our long national nightmare is almost over. His last show is coming up soon. <laughs> but I, I swear to you, in this show, he is hilarious and, and, and extremely British. But he plays Gavin's best friend, Smithy. And he's like a, a craft beer guy. Him and Gavin are, you know, they go to the pub every night and they've got a big map for a pub crawl beers around the world thing that they're trying to drink all these beers and all these pubs and stuff, and they're keeping track of everything. And uh, Stacy brings her friend, who's played by Ruth Jones, Vanessa or Nessa. And just the first episode of this show will melt your brain with laughter, dude. You will, you will just die. <laughs> like they they get they end up in a bar in London, all four of them. They're drinking and getting drunk. Smithy and Nessa are just not getting along you know she's like what are you doing with this piss asshole guy and he's like what are you doing with this effort you know <laughs> and there's and then they get so drunk they end up hooking up <laughs> and it's just there's girls underwear and a toilet brush and there's all kinds of crazy shit dude it's <laughs> it's hilarious this show is hilarious and one of my favorite tv moments of all time i'm gonna fast forward through this series there comes a point believe it or not where gavin and stacy are going to get married and uh Stacy's dad dies when she's very young, so Stacy's dad or brother is going to, you know, be the guy that gives her away and all the stuff at the wedding. So Gavin is there in Wales meeting her family and he meets her uncle and he he just gets a computer. And Gavin works in IT, mind you. So he, this guy just gets his like first desktop computer and he's like, "You ever use the internet, Gavin?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, you know, I've I've messed around on it a few times." And he's like, He's like, you know, it's a tremendous machine. You just type in www dot whatever you want to look for. And he's like, but you got to remember to put in the www. And he's like, and I always try to create an acronym like Wild Whiskey Women or Wonderful Whooping Wonderness. And he's like, or how about like World Wide Web? He's like, that's a good one. <laughs> and it just, it melted my brain. I just died. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a great <laughs> show. It is a great show. 
And like I said, it was another thing, you know, got, they became stars and it kind of fell apart because everybody started becoming stars. But they did get together back in 2019 for a Christmas episode and it actually drew 18 and a half million viewers. It was like the second most watched show in British TV. Now, now you talked about Stacy's dad. Did you do we ever find out that Stacy's mom really have it going on? Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say that she is British. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, less is more, less is more. On the British Broadcasting Corporation, on the which is not the same British. as a Mexican radio. <laughs> <laughs> So those are my four canceled shows. Revolution, uh, Survivors, Green Wing, and Gavin and Stacy. I implore you all to check them out. And and one more time, where can we find these fine works of art? Um, Survivors, I don't know that that's... You might be able to get that on the BBC app. But uh, Revolution, I believe, is on Netflix... It used to be anyway. Green Wing is on Tubi, which is a free app, and Gavin and Stacy, I believe, is also on Netflix. One fifty three. <laughs> British Broadcast Corporation. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, so yeah, what about you guys? Uh, what are your favorite canceled TV shows, and what network are they on? I know, do you want to go next, Spiker? <laughs> Mine are kind of all just stuff I kind of thought of because I don't know where you guys were going with yours and stuff like that. And a lot of the shows that I watched kind of had a finite ending to them, at least an ending that I was kind of happy with. So my first one is Ash versus Evil Dead, the pretty much an, a follow up to the Evil Dead trilogy, which still have not seen the new one, but I've heard nothing but great things about Evil Dead Rise. Um, definitely not watching a while JJ is awake. That's for damn sure. Um, but it's pretty much Ash Williams, the hero from the original trilogy, finds out he has a daughter, and of course, the evil awakens in this little town in Michigan, and it's up to Ash and his two sidekicks to weed it out. You find out more about Ash, and his two sidekicks are amazing throughout. Oh, I mean, I, f- I feel bad for Pablo all the time. Pablo is like the, the punching bag through all three seasons. And it ends on kind of like a cliffhanger. And you're like, okay, that's it. And then it stops because stars is stupid. That's stars and it's not an acronym for anything, at least that I know of. So it's a um, it's great. It's in the vein of Evil Dead. It's campy humor. It's campy fun. There's blood everywhere. If you like the original movies, you'll most likely love the show. I know people enjoyed the first two seasons. They said the third season was a little over campy and I kind of wonder if they knew they were getting canceled and that's why they did it. Or, you know, and then it kind of ends on a cliffhanger, which apparently Dave Ben Asker, Bruce Campbell about and Sam Raimi. Apparently the idea is to follow up with a animated follow-up because Bruce Campbell's getting too old to play Ash Williams and he openly admits it. And, you know, I respect shit out of him for saying it. Although old man Ash is really funny. Him trying to swing a chainsaw and it's like, ow, my hip <laughs> is actually really entertaining. So there's some great, you know, and it's just like nonstop fun. And I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. I mean, I have Bruce Campbell tattooed on my arm for crying out loud. And you walk up the stairs in our house and top of the stairs is an Army of Darkness poster signed by Mr. Campbell himself. Hell of an author, too. If anybody ever gets a chance to check out his books, his books are all fantastic. And 
you know, I would have that autograph poster signed by Sam Raimi. However, I'm coming down to scout CWF Legend Fan Fest in Lutz, Florida on June 3rd instead of going to meet Sam Raimi in Philadelphia. However, he also be at Rhode Island Comic Con. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Thanks, Diggy. Um, <laughs> so my my next one will be is the Cowboy Bebop series from Netflix. And I've, I've talked to people who watched the Japanese anime and some of them really didn't like their things about it. I really didn't like they're finally starting to hit their stride towards the end of the 10 episode run. They finally got it going on. It was 10. It was 13. I, I even forget at this point, but they finally hit their stride and they got to the point where it's like, okay, cool. We're going to get into the meat and the bones of these stories here about these characters, about these space cowboys, like these bounty hunters. Imagine that. And, um, then it's like, okay, you know, we're going to tell some more stories, kind of link the anime, and you finally introduce some of these characters. And like, yeah, we're we're not going to tell you how the rest of the story ends because it ends. The final episode of the show lifts one of the greatest sequences in anime history. Back when I used to watch stuff on the regular basis, from the show itself into the episode, and it's so freaking good, it's so good, so good. The Netflix, who apparently has gotten more into what they did at the Glow, and now they're doing it to other shows, they canceled it right as it started to really kind of get its footing and kind of refer a little more to the source material was Bebop. And I feel they could have gotten at least a little more mileage out of it. However, my number one pick, and I know Mikey was going to let me talk about because I have many feelings about it. Speaking of getting time to wrap things up kind of properly is firefly the 2002 fox sci-fi western that still has a cult following today if you've ever seen it you know how good it is i'm not going to say pontificate i think that's the first time we've ever used the words pontificate on this fine podcast and tell you about it because if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it go it's 12 hours plus and two hours so it's pretty much 14 15 hours out of your life it is all worth it and joss got to finish most of it up there was a special where he kind of detailed after what was going to happen after the very last episode that he kind of had to corral into a two-hour movie called serenity which people have watched people i know watch serenity without watching firefly like this is great what do you mean they didn't follow this so you know and as a movie it's friggin' amazing you know provided a little bit of a wrap-up and the reason now i think you're never going to see it again is because of the allegations brought against joss whedon you know all the sexual misconduct allegations and stuff like that and you haven't really heard from him in quite a few years because of it and plus i mean nathan fillion's off doing his own thing alan tudyk's off doing his own thing so i don't think we'd ever given the chance they'd all get back together you'd, you'd be able to get the band all back together obviously ron glass has since passed on but i feel that you know if you got to tell one more story which you actually do some of the comic books following it up have been really really well done and you know it's a good follow-up to the crew and you know it's a nice way to say farewell and you know again i if you're listening to the show you've probably seen it and if not spend your time it's well worth it i think it might still be on netflix or it's on oh it's it it makes its way around the streaming services i think even disney might have gotten a hold of it as well if i'm not mistaken i own like three different copies of it on dvd and blu-ray so i'm the wrong person to ask to be straight up honest with you but now that you know that's usually the one if you look at list online i know we're all big fans of list that's the one that's normally near the top of that being said yeah outstanding michael how about yours uh well before i get into my list i will go ahead and say between now and the time this episode drops on sunday i will go through and research put together a post to come out after the episode drops with any relevant links to streaming services where the shows are available okay, so yeah, if I was just say, say, there's a few i could change after looking them up uh revolution revolution is now 
only available on uh, Amazon Prime. Gavin and Stacy is available on uh, Amazon Prime or Google Play or Apple TV. Uh, of course, uh, like we had mentioned, Green Wing is available on Pluto, Tubi, or Crackle, all for free. And uh, Revolution was on Peacock, and it's not any longer. Now it's Amazon now what, Prime. Now, what, what is Crackle? Uh, I don't know. It's just one of those like free... Lower lower tier apps uh, with pay services built into it somewhere, somehow. It's been around 10 or 15 years. I think that's actually where Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians Getting Coffee and Cars originated, was on Crackle, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Watching it there. I mean, this was, you know, years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's been around while it just never got big now now do they have sister stations called snap and pop <laughs> if not it's a missed marketing opportunity it's probably why and, it didn't get bigger and told as they you, didn't think it that way um i'm i'm, I'm sorry the the dad jokes run rampant in this house and i'm responsible <laughs> yeah, and, and survivors is amazon prime or brit box which okay. took over for the bbc app sure Okay, so uh, I've got seven shows on my list, but before I get to those, I want to mention a couple of shows that Travis mentioned last night that got this whole idea germinating here. Uh, He talked about My Name is Earl. Yes. Which was hurt terribly by the writer's strike, and it never really recovered fully from that point. But that was a fantastic show. If you have never seen it, find it. Jason Lee, Ethan Supley. Did Did they ever actually end it? Like, I don't ever recall there actually being an ending ending I, to no, it. Because I, I think it was just one that got canceled and they didn't. Okay. I think it was, it was like on the borderline. And so they didn't go ahead and wrap it up, hoping they'd get another season. And then, yeah, rug pulled out from under and they didn't get to finish. It. One of the things that Travis mentioned last night was this is a show you could reboot now and go to modern day. And Earl is finishing up the list finally. Like it's taken him all this time to finish the premise of the show. If you haven't seen it, right. The guy named Earl picks up a winning lottery ticket, gets hit by a car. And he sees this as karma because he's been a terrible person all his life, lying, stealing, cheating, everything. And so after Earl Guerrero, <laughs> Earl Hickey Guerrero, after, after getting hit by the car, he decides to change his life and go back and right the wrongs that he did to people throughout his life. And he makes a list of everything he has to atone for. And so he goes along and starts like the first thing he does and checks off the list. Then he finds the lottery ticket. He's able to cash it in and use this money to help right these wrongs. So you could, you could fast forward to today and have it be where Earl is finally getting to the point where he's getting to the end of the list. And one of the things we joked about, uh, anybody that knows who Ethan Supley is, you might remember him way back on Boy Meets World as the bully Frankie, son of Big Van Vader. Yes. On the show. He was in Ball Rats. I want to see Ameri- the sailboat. American History X. Scooter uh, is a sailboat. You dumb bastard. <laughs> it's not a schooner. It's a sailboat. Yeah, Thanks great guy. He was a larger larger man who over the last few years has gotten into amazing shape. Yeah. And one of the things we joked about that could have been on Earl's list was help Randy become a professional wrestler. So over that time, Earl helped Randy lose weight, get in shape and become a professional wrestler. Cause he's now, if you haven't seen him, Ethan Supley is ripped. I mean, he's, yeah, he's back. I just saw McClurks three and I couldn't believe that was him. Uh, another show that he's in that didn't make my list that needed another season. And it's one of those Netflix casualties where they give something three years and then just it's done. Whether the show's done or not, they don't go ahead and renew it. Santa Clarita diet with Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore. Very good show. Um, but yeah, so Earl Earl's one they could bring back and finish up maybe. 
the short 10, 15 episode run. Uh, also, Travis mentioned Life on Mars, which was on ABC. And as you're watching the show, it's like a 1970s police procedural. But something seems off throughout the whole thing. And it turns out these are actually astronauts on a mission to Mars. And they're like in stasis or something. And this is like they're dreaming all of this that happened. Fantastic show. I, if I remember right, it was maybe based on a British show from the uh, 70s or 80s. I, I didn't I didn't do any research on that. I'll, I'll look into that and put that in the post I put together for the Facebook group. Well worth your time to check out. I really enjoyed it when it aired. Uh, that was also on the BBC. It might have been. It might have been. I know there are other networks. It could have been Sky Network in England. It's possible. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start my list off with the only sitcom on here, and that is Happy Endings that aired on ABC starting in 2011. Are either of you guys familiar with that show? I am not. Starred uh, Damon Wayans Jr., Eliza Coop, that you might remember as the blonde from the last couple of seasons of Scrubs, Alicia Cuthbert, Zachary Knighton, Casey Wilson, and Adam Pally. And it was... I guess you you could look at it as like a take on the whole friends concept. It's a group of six friends that live in Chicago that are in their uh, mid twenties, mid to late twenties, I guess. And it revolves around their friendships and antics and how things go. But it starts that there's Penny and Dave and the show starts with them going to get married and Penny leaving Dave at the altar and how it affects their friend group and everything. But there's all kinds of wacky nonsense that goes on. Uh, a good way to describe it, I guess, is a non-dark, always sunny. It's kind of how I look at it. I think it was one of the funniest shows on TV. It was highly underrated. I never really see too many people talk about it, but it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, who doesn't all, love a happy ending? Right, right. But there were you know great little recurring side characters and things like all good sitcoms have. But I'll I'll get the information. I'm not 100% sure. I believe it was on Hulu or Netflix the last I knew for streaming. The next show I want to talk about is a show called Chaos. It aired on CBS in 2011. It was about the Clandestine Homeland Administration and Oversight Services. It was a group in the CIA that basically dealt with like domestic terror situations. But the, this bureau or branch was trying, some, they were trying to get rid of it and eliminate it. And Kurtwood Smith played the guy in charge of trying to get rid of this branch of the CIA. And you had great, great actors like Margot Martindale, Armin Ajogo. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson was one of the stars who I absolutely love and have wow. since him in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Freddie Rodriguez. But it, it had kind of a get smart feel to it because while it was a drama, there was some comedy layered into it and they would get into kind of some funny, goofy situations. But they always had these high tech gadgets or different things they could use to get out of whatever they were in. And it was basically them trying to do their job while the Bureau or the CIA trying to downsize them, essentially, and eliminate their positions. And it didn't run for very long, but it was it was kind of a higher concept than a lot of shows. And I think that's why it didn't work. It was like Friday night at eight o'clock. And that's yeah, not what people time were looking for. Yeah. People, you weren't looking for that kind of show. If you, if you would have aired it, say, five years later on AMC or something like that, I think it could have been... I'm not saying breaking bad level, but it would have been in that prestige drama range of, of smarter, more intelligent kind of shows that you have to think a little bit more about. That actually sounds really fun. I right. I'm, was not familiar yeah, with it, this. That's it's worth checking out. I, one thing I can say, we watch way too much TV in this household. <laughs> uh, I could have probably made a list of 35 shows that over the last 15 years, Amy and I have loved and have watched get canceled. We 
quit watching Fox almost exclusively for like eight or nine years because it seemed like every show they would have that we liked would get canceled after one season. And we just didn't see the point in watching them and getting attached and getting upset. Firefly. Uh, next show I have here is The Unusuals. It aired on ABC in 2009, starring Jeremy Renner. Harold Perrineau after his uh, stint on Lost as Michael. Uh, Adam Goldberg from a, num- a number of things, uh, probably best known. He was in Dazed and Confused. Yes, Dazed and Confused. Yeah. He was the guy that kind of got beat up at the party. Poindexter. Yeah. Uh, Newton. Am- That's what he called him, Newton. <laughs> yeah, and Amber Tamblin. And it was a quirky cop show. I'm not sure if it even got a full season, maybe. But it was it it just it wasn't like your standard procedural. There was a little bit like more uh, intrigue and stuff going on with it. And it's one that I think had it been given legs in another season, it really could have gone someplace. Uh, but if that happens, maybe we don't end up with uh, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye in the MCU. So it probably all worked out for the best, but it was one show. It was different from everything else that was airing at the time. And that's what a lot of shows on my list are. Didn't he get smashed by like a snowplow or something? Yeah, he had one of those big snowcats. He was clearing his own driveway, I guess, and somehow got run over by it. But he's he's apparently doing much better. There was just an interview, uh, I want to say two or three weeks ago, on 2020 or Dateline, one of those kind of shows with him. And his recovery's been pretty amazing. So Good deal. He's a good actor. Yes. Uh Next one, another ABC show, was Detroit 187, aired from 2010 to 2011. Pretty sure that, I think it's Detroit 187 that Benji Fido is a huge fan of. It could be the unusual, though, I have it back. Is that the one that has uh, Shaggy, Two Dope, and Violent J? They're like buddy cops. (laughs) Just going around Detroit, just murdering? No, that was South Detroit 187. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you got confused there. Yeah. Uh. This starred Michael Imperioli after his run on The Sopranos. It's Christopher uh, It was a cop show, but it was really more about the city of Detroit itself and people like trying to improve and make the city better, but through the lens of police officers and the, what they would encounter every day. And again, it was it was not like your standard police procedural, which I think is probably why it didn't succeed, because that's what people expect. When you see a show that's set in a police department or whatever, you're expecting a certain thing. And this was outside of that box and different and required a little more leeway and thought on your part to to get everything they were doing. But it had a very good cast, and I thought it was a lot of fun. I guess fun's not the word, but it was it was different. And uh, Did it have any of the uh, the Chicago PD or Chicago Fire, any of the no, Chicago show kind of vibes? You know what I mean? Not really. That type of, like that type of uh, cop drama, you know? No, not exactly. I, I'm not really sure what to, I haven't seen enough Barney Miller to know if it was maybe like a more serious Barney Miller. I can't really, I can't say. It was just different from every other cop show you saw on TV. Were the references to Lake in the Hills at all? <laughs> I think that probably would have saved it, or yes. if they'd have gone to Coney Island, yes, and Lafayette Square, or whatever the hell the other one's called, Hillish Lakes, parking garages, and who knows? As long as they're not within a block of each other. Street corner preachers staring across the river at Canada. Hallelujah! All of these things they could have done. Uh, the next show I have here is Alcatraz. It aired on Fox in 2012, starring Sarah Jones, uh, Jorge Garcia who everybody knows as Hurley from Lost, Armander Nagra, Sam Neill, and Robert Forster. Oh. So the premise of this show was that on March 21st, 1963, 
256 inmates and 46 guards disappear from Alcatraz prison, just vanish. The government says that they're closing the prison down due to unsafe conditions and that the prisoners have been transferred elsewhere. Obviously, that's not what happened. So you fast forward. Fast forward to present day 2012, the 63s, as they're referred to, start reappearing out of nowhere and all in the in the San Francisco area. Uh, They have not aged. They have no clue about where they were or lost time. And the government has been waiting for this, basically expecting something to happen. Um, I I guess if you would compare it to something, it would be kind of like the 4400 crossed with a police procedural drama. I don't know if I've never seen the 4400, but I know that it was a similar concept of people disappearing and coming back out of nowhere. And it sounds like manifest also. Yes, which is another show that would have been on this list, but Netflix picked up and is finishing up. But yeah, it's, it's a it's an interesting concept. But again, this was in that realm with Fox, where if it didn't have great ratings, you weren't getting a second season. You got one shot, and that was it. And it, the writing wasn't great all the way through. I mean, it wasn't a, a strong full season. They had dips, and things got a little convoluted here and there. And you know, part of that was probably with the premise. Maybe they didn't have a full plan of where they were going and they, you know, flew by the seat of their pants a little bit, but it was a very interesting concept and the cast was good and there was good chemistry with it. I felt anyway, and I wanted to see where. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a cat. I mean, you mentioned Sam Neill and my ears definitely perked up there. Cause I, Sam Neill and Robert Forster. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a duo right there. So, okay. So the next one I have here is journeyman 2007 on NBC. Starring Kevin McKidd, Brian Howe, Gretchen Egolf, and Moon Bloodgood. Uh, this show had kind of a quantum leap vibe to it. Main character, he jumps back in time to change people's destinies. Uh, but like he doesn't jump into their body like in Quantum Leap. He just like passes out and then winds up somewhere in the past. All in the in the same area of where he he lives here, you know, and goes back and and there's like a specific thing he's supposed to accomplish or help these people with. And while he's on one of these uh, jumps back, one of these journeys, he reconnects with his ex-fiance who was thought to be dead. But it turns out she is also a time traveler and she's actually from the past. And when she leaps she or jumps and journeys, she goes forward. And that's how they met. She was had leapt forward in time and was stuck there for a while and then when he thought she died, she had gone back to her time. And I want to say it was like 1948 or something. She was actually. It's a wild premise. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so the there's a thing. It's, it's based around a, a passing of a specific comet. That the people that have this like ability are all we're all born within a certain time frame around the passing of this comet. Coming near Earth every like 25 years or whatever. And there's some connection with that. And as the series series goes on, um, it starts out where like he doesn't, he has no idea of what's happening. Like just all of a sudden, he he passed out and he's in the past, and then he's back, and like he can't explain where he where he was. And like his brother's a cop, and he thinks something uh, is going on. You know, is he cheating on his wife? What's he doing? Whatever. Very suspicious. But as it goes on, he learns to kind of know when this is getting ready to happen. And he can prepare for it and be ready to do this. And it, I think probably because I felt like it was like Quantum Leap and I loved that as a kid that I had the instant connection with the idea. But it was it was a good show. I think it only got just a one season run, maybe like a short order. 
don't even know if it got like a full 24 to 26 episode run, but NBC had a lot of shows in this time frame that got one or two years and, and I thought should have had a longer shot. Uh, to wrap up my list is Jericho. There's which is one very, I know. <laughs> very similar to uh, Revolution uh, in, in the premise. With Jericho, there and are also 20- similar to the show from my list, Survivors. Yes. With an S. Yes. From the British Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so Jericho aired in 2006 on CBS. Uh, the premise here is 23 cities in the U.S. were hit with nuclear attacks. Then later, there's also an EMP attack that takes out communication and electronics and things of things of that nature. Uh, great cast in this show. Skeet Ulrich is the main character. The great Lenny James, Gerald McRaney, Pamela Reed, who you might know as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's partner in Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, you're right. Yep. She and Gerald McRaney play the, the parents of Skeet Ulrich in this show. Uh, Gerald McRaney is the mayor of a small town, Kansas. It's called Jericho is the name of the small town. Uh, and his family has always been in politics and being a local leader. And Skeet Ulrich is like the black sheep of the family. He was into crime, working with a, a guy. I cannot remember his name for the life I had it. But he had, had left for a while, joined the military, came back, trying to make good. You know, his dad's suspicious of him a little bit at first. What is it about Jericho that makes it such a special town, Mike? A salt mine? Or is there something else you're thinking of that I'm missing? It is the uh, it is the exact location in the United States where if a nuclear bomb hits in New York, Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles, and Denver, all of the clouds will cover everything in the United States except for the Every- one town of Jericho, <laughs> Oklahoma. I think it was Oklahoma. Kansas. Kansas. I stand corrected. But that's why Jericho was uh, such an important town. Right. I'd forgot that. And it was being inundated by the military for some unknown reason. Yeah. Although that just means that Chris Jericho will then come in and end over you. <laughs> see, I was Chris actually waiting to see if you were setting up a Jericho joke. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for when you asked that. Oh, no. I was. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I should use the little hand raising here. Oh, no, you're good. Um, so, Lenny James, he and his family had just moved to town prior to this happening. Uh, at first, the attacks are, bl- are blamed on North Korea and Iran, but it's actually a coup attempt by dissidents in the U.S. government that stole and planted these bombs and set them off. And Lenny James is actually part of this group. So, he's got like a... a hardened laptop i can't remember if that's exactly what they call it but one that still works even though all the other electronics are fried and and he moves to jericho and all of a sudden he's building a bomb shelter a fallout shelter in his basement and stockpiling things and the townspeople are like who is this guy and he doesn't want to talk to any of them you know it's a small town everybody knows everybody in their business except for uh skeet ulrich's brother cheating on his wife Nobody knows that quite yet at the start. Spoiler. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you're kind of leery of what, what's Lenny James doing here exactly. And, um, so it turns out that you end up then they, they got through one season and it was canceled after the first season. And there was, uh, the end of the, the end of the first season, the way it, what happened was there was a rival t- 
town, a nearby town called New Bern that had, they didn't have the farms. Jericho was this big farming community, all kinds of farms and food production. Like I said, they had a salt mine, which is an important thing when you're not able to get products in, uh, you know, there's no supply chain or anything happening. So New Bern comes and they want to negotiate some kind of trade, but they don't really have much to offer. So uh, they're the sheriff of this town, uh, played by Timothy Ombudsman. He like decides they're just going to attack Jericho and take what they want. And they're gearing up for a big war. And that's kind of what's building to the end of the first season. And it takes place. And I, I believe, if I remember right, Jericho does have the upper hand and has maybe even won the battle. And the U.S. military comes in, the quote-unquote U.S. military. It's actually the military from the Allied States of America. Yes, the coup. Is, yes, everything west of the Mississippi, except for Texas, which after this happened, Texas became an independent nation. So you had everything west of the Mississippi as this Allied, Allied States of America, and they are the people that planted the bombs and set off the coup to take this over. So then in the eastern half of the United States, you have... Uh, the government being held in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, the second, so they cancel the first season and there's like a battle cry that Skeet Ulrich's grandfather in World War II, they, they said nuts to this or nuts to them, something to do with Germany or whatever. And that was a, a phrase used throughout the first season of the show. So when the show was canceled, the fans of the show, who were extremely rabid fans, sent hundreds of thousands of pounds of nuts to CBS's corporate offices in protest to the show being canceled. And because of this outpouring of support, CBS brought the show back for another season. And it was not nearly as good as the first season. You get the military of the Allied States of America coming in kind of taking over uh, under the auspices of a military contracting company called Ravenwood, led by D.B. Sweeney as like the head mercenary guy. Uh, and there's a lot of conflict between him and the people of Jericho. And uh, the the way the, the second season ends, Lenny James' character and Skeet Ulrich, they find this undetonated nuclear bomb that was supposed to be used in Columbus against the actual American government. They smuggle it to Wyoming, to the uh, consulate for the Republic of Texas, and show them, hey, here's what's going on. They sneak them out, get them onto a private jet, fly them to Texas to show this evidence, because Texas was getting ready to align with the Allied States of America. And so they've got this proof. them over the top. Yes. And they've got this proof that these guys did this. You don't want to side with them. So they get to Texas. Uh, they're, they're like met by fighter jets from the Allied States. And as, as they're getting ready to blow this private jet out of the sky, you get the National Guard from Texas coming in and taking these fighter jets out and escorting these guys to safety. And then they canceled the show again. But it was continued on with a comic book series, apparently, which I didn't know oh. until today. Interesting. So I definitely want to check that out and see. Uh, but it was the first season was just a fantastically written show, acted. I mean, fantastically, the cast was was tremendous all the way up and down. Even the the teens and things that were involved with the show, uh, they they did fantastic jobs in their roles. And 
I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's worth going out. Even though the second season dips in quality, it's it's worth checking out the whole run of the show. So definitely sounds like it. Yeah, Jericho's a really cool show. Definitely sounds like I think I'd seen a little bit of it because it definitely sounds like a familiar premise, but it definitely sounds like something I'd be into, especially with some of that cast list you mentioned. Yeah, it, it really grabs you like right when it starts because like right. you know, he's cruising back home to his hometown and then, you know, everything goes down and there's a school bus crash with all the, the you know, the local kids from Jericho and and he goes in to help make the save. Yeah, and at first they they see the mushroom cloud from Denver, and they think there's been some kind of accident, you know, like a nuclear reactor is melted down or something. Only to find out that uh, one of the kids that lives in town, his mom was in Atlanta and was like leaving a message on the answering machine when the bomb went off in Atlanta. Right, and that's how they find out that that this happened. And and early on in the series, they're getting these airdrops of food and supplies from China. And so there's early speculation. What did the Chinese do this? Were they behind this? And are they trying to, you know, make themselves look like the hero now is that they did this so they could come in and take over whatever. Right. This show, (laughs) this show in modern times would have the conspiracy nuts going crazy. A lot of these shows will. Yeah. But uh, it, it was an excellent show. Cannot recommend it. enough. Like I said, I'll get, a list compiled of every place you can stream all these shows that we talked about. I'll, I'll get it put up on Sunday after the episode drops at six Oh five. And that's going to be our, our regular time slot for this show is Sunday night at six Oh five. The turnaround time to try to get it out on Saturday at six Oh five, which was our original goal is a little tough when we do a lot of recording on Friday nights. Yeah. Well, so we're going to go with, uh, with Sunday nights at six Oh five, the show will drop and we will have, uh, ran, you know, random bonus episodes like we had last night with the uh, NFL draft where it was recorded and I put it out uh, early Friday morning after editing until five or six in the morning to get it finished and ready to go. Cause I, you know, it was something that was timely and needed to get out quickly since it was tied to, you know, the NFL draft like that. But yeah, you can, you can look for the show wherever you find your podcasts every Sunday at six Oh five, our regular, our regular episodes will drop. And you can find all that information on the Facebook group, The Other yes, Ship. The Other Ship Podcast. Oh, yes, you are correct. The Other Ship Podcast. If you're not a member and you're listening to this show, how'd you find us? Join the group, make a post introducing yourself, and tell us how you found our show if you didn't find us through Facebook. Did a friend refer you? Were you searching through your podcast app and came across it and thought the uh, original artwork by William Merriweather, one of the members of this show. We miss you, Big Bill. Sorry you couldn't be here with us this week, brother. Uh, Sir William. He designed uh, the artwork here. So, yeah, join the group. Get active. Let us know how you found the show. Comment. Leave us uh, you know, notes, things you'd like to hear us talk about. We're, we're willing to, to do what the audience wants to hear, at least to an extent. We don't want Zaha on too often. Or ever, really. <laughs> It's the promise of lunch that keeps us <laughs> hanging on. Lunchy Landell. Yes. Lunchy Landell treats us like Kim Wilde. <laughs> he just keeps us hanging on. Uh, in the group right now, we have a, a project going on called the 30 Day Song Challenge. You can find this post in the group. There is a, I think this came out at the start of COVID in 2020 is where I first saw it anyway. 
And each day has a different topic that you're to pick a song that, that matches the topic. Like the first day was a song with a color in the title. Second what song day, did you pick? Uh, I went with Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress by the Hollies. Classic tune. Now, my, my picks aren't going to wow anybody, probably. Uh, they're <laughs> going to be fairly, fairly standard, but I do want to for sure shout out Kevin Carter and Benji Fido for bringing at least new to me music so far in these first two days. Uh, things that I've really dug and enjoyed and has made me wanting to listen to more from the artist that they shared music from. Also, Shane Hartman uh, shared a song on, on day one that I really enjoyed, and I found a couple other songs by the same same group that I that I enjoyed also. So hopefully this cool. that uh, you can be introduced to some new music, new different genres maybe, or new artists that, that you haven't heard before. And maybe you come out with an appreciation of someone new, something new, and broaden your horizons a little bit. You know, we'd love for you to join in and participate, share your songs you'd like to to let people know about artists that you find, uh, just like our interview with the Josephines in the first episode. You know, we want to spread some of these artists to people that don't know about them, learn more, and and enjoy their music. Right. Let's get the word out. And be it a song you haven't heard before, you haven't heard in a while, you know, like, oh, hey, this, you know, this brings back memories or, hey, you know, this is a new favorite and you go to Spotify and you go to, you know, Apple Music or wherever you get your shit. And it's like, oh, you know, cool. And and I know each one of those prompts is different for every single day. And one of them brings back, you know, but, you know, it's a great thing to discuss. And I know I did it one year. And I think might have been the first, second year Michael posted it. I think I joined, finally joined in on it. And he even elicited some response among my friends group who, you know, you know, a lot of who are music aficionados, some of whom are older than me. And they're like, oh, here, check this out. And it's a song from like 1968 or something. It's like, holy crap, this is good. Right. Drew? So. Uh, what was your uh, song about color, Chris? That would be Red Skies by The Fix. Ooh, The Fix. I have to check that out because I am not familiar with that. I chance are you probably have heard it. When you hear the chorus, you probably have heard it. Red know, skies you, at night, red skies at night. You might be giving my horizons too much credit here. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> they need broad sure. Let's broaden our minds from <laughs> Batman one. You Batman mean Batman one, one. From Batman. Batman one. Never rub another man's rhubarb. Gotten kind of weak all night. If you're gonna go, go with a smile. We just sit here all night and quote Jack Nicholson Batman quotes now. <laughs> I have a name for my pain, and it's Batman. <laughs> so okay, so let's let's look here at the thing here. Had it had it pulled up and then Okay, so let's just say, Drew, a song that reminds you of summertime. A song that reminds me of summertime. I would say a song that reminds me of the summertime would be a number called Cat Tales from a band called Big Thief. Okay. See, I have no idea who they are. Never heard of it. Super catchy tune. As soon as you hear the opening guitar riff, you're just going to be like kind of hooked into it. Awesome. Female singer, great voice. Just has a very, like, uh, puts you in the mind frame of walking down a, a gravel country road with, like, a 
the old knapsack on the end of the stick tied up on the hanky on the end, you know? One of those type of thong songs. Right. Drew Drew also got me hooked on a band called Naked Ray Gun, which was one of JJ's feeding soundtracks this week. <laughs> Great. He also actively enjoyed it. He he actively enjoyed it, so as did I. I. I believe they're on the wall there at Legends HQ, are they not? They are multiple times. They're also oh. on the coffee mug rack. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, right there. There's the cover for Jettison. Nice. With, uh, one of my favorite songs, Soldier's Requiem. Also, uh, Ghetto Mechanic. Great song. Vanilla Blue, another great favorite from them. Treason. One of their greats. Oh, oh, Treason's fantastic. I think we rocked out that one twice in a row. Actually, have a uh, an original pressing of a, a 12-inch single on hot pink vinyl. <laughs> Very <laughs> sounds, cool. Sounds great. Plays great. Nice. But, uh, but but again, as we said earlier in the episode, if you're not part of our Facebook group and you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing? First off, I want to know how you got here. But, you know, participate in the song challenge. You know, we're, you know, participate in the conversation. We've got a lot of great people in this group. And let a lot us, of good conversation. Let us get to know you. Yes. Yeah, and we, we want to hear from you. You know, the more people we get, I would love for us to be able to do an AMA episode down the line here because we have so many interesting people in this group and I'm sure they can ask us a bunch of interesting questions and you know I mean it worked out really well when Mikey and I did it on Birth and Kayfabe except when Michael Harrig asked us anything and I had a blast <laughs> doing that dude man Dr. Dr. Khan and I had such a blast we spent like an hour texting afterwards just saying about how much fun we had doing that a big big shout yeah. out to Dr. Philip Khan awesome uh, guy Dr. Khan and Mama Khan. And yes, Mama Khan. Nicest, nicest, sweetest ladies you will ever meet in your life. And Absolutely. And, and Phil Khan can't say enough good things about him. He um, kind of a hidden treasure at FanFest when we all met him. You know, he's yeah. the nicest, nicest, best-dressed guy in the room. And we thought he was there, worked in the hotel to shut us down. He's like, no, I'm Phil Khan. You know, plastic surgeon. Khan! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm st- I'm still waiting for his drunken voicemail. For me. He, he he says he's going to do it. He's going to call real late. He's going to get real drunk up on bourbon. He's going to call and recite Ricardo Montalban dialogue into my voicemail, and I will call it the greatest voicemail I've ever received. And then he's going <laughs> to tell you about his love of the Ewoks. Because no one, because as we as we said last episode, we know a man that loves Cox, but there is no one that loves Ewoks more than our good friend Phil Khan. Jumba, jumba, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that, that, that being said, you know, we've pimped our Facebook group. Now we have to take a somber turn here, gentlemen, and discuss our good friend, Chris Saha, who will be leaving one of his shoot jobs to go um, perform his inanity elsewhere. I think inanity is a word. Sounds good, especially coming from him. But he informed us of a terrible loss in his community today. The 61-year-old Little River Band man fan passed on. And we are, we are extremely sad. I know it really tore him up today. He might have had to take another day of vacation over it. And, you know, gen- gentlemen, I hope we, you know, raise an adult beverage to the memory of this, this fine, fine influence in Chris's life. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Little River Band fan? 
Well, first off, it's, it's a little river band, band man fan, grand slam. Van Dam. <laughs> yes, breakfast, Denny's, platter, platypus. Little River Van Dam. <laughs> it's me. It's me. It's Little River RVD. So apparently he was in he was in the promotion for one year and thirty five weeks. Very very specific. I want to know the hour and the minute breakdown. And he died at sixty one with an estimated fortune of one hundred sixty four thousand one hundred ninety six dollars. That's a good way uh, to go. Yes. I mean you can't take it with you. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I mean, if, if he's a real pro wrestler, you know, there's that. And, and it doesn't say what kind of fortune it was. It could be cocaine. It could be hookers. It could be all sorts of stuff. It could be a combination oh. of things. International Zan Sculpture Awards. It's hard to say. Exactly. Be, being exactly. a compatriot of Slappy PP, but he's obviously into philanthropy. Yes. And, may, and maybe Povancery. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I'm. I, I would also like to mention that maybe th- this gentleman had an article written about him where he he and his one of his wives carried the Olympic torch. He <laughs> can't get your bust, and that <laughs> and that was while he held five titles across six different promotions where he won eighty two percent of his sixty two matches, and he was survived by his son, Little River Band Fan Band Junior. Like to now pause for a ten bell salute to the Little River Band Band. Unfortunately, help was not on its way, and hopefully Junior will not be a lonesome loser. But we tip our hat and raise an adult beverage to his memory. I think that about wraps it up for this week, doesn't it, guys? I think it does. I think it puts a nice little bow on everything, you know? You know, we we brought it around. You know, we had our fun. We had we talked about BBC Networks of Choice. <laughs> so... Check out the Facebook group, the Other Ship Podcast. We're on it. Lots of great people are on it. Check out our shows if you haven't listened to the Draft Podcast. They did a really, really great job. I mean, they talked for four hours on it. A lot of draft coverage. And Travis is wonderful. We need to get Travis on here more often. Um, and, uh, also, check in the group for uh, links to our friends out there, the Josephines. You can find those guys at uh, thejosephines.net for all their merchandise and albums and tour dates. You can check out their Facebook page, uh, The Josephines. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at The Josephines BG. And we're probably going to send you out of here again today with another Josephines jam. I think uh, we've decided to go with a live version of stalwart Josephines tune, Fireball. So everybody's going to get a little taste of this one. And uh, we also want to say you can also find links to our buddies over at the These Nuts podcast. Say hello to uh, Katie and Amy. Hello, Katie and Amy. What's up to those guys? And uh, yeah, they just had a great episode last week about crazy coworkers. It was a good one. (laughs) That that is definitely worth tuning into because we've all had some crazy coworkers. Indeed. Yes. It's been a while, but yes. 
<laughs> so yeah, check also, out the check out the gals over there too. And uh, so, Jim, we got a bunch of stuff coming down the pipeline. I just want to talk about real quick before we head out here. Next couple weeks, we're going to be continuing our action figure conversation, bringing in some great guests for that. Our good friend Ben James will be here. We're going to be talking about CWF Legends Fan Fest coming up in about a month or so. We got a bunch of great stuff coming on, and who knows, we got some surprises coming at you too. So, I mean, it's great time. We're really revving things up here. I'm super excited to be doing this, and hopefully everybody out there is super excited to be listening to it. Also, a special fuck you to Michael's Loco Taco Bell for being close for breakfast today. <laughs> You bastard. Yeah. Man, you can't. What's going on? I just hope they're open for lunch tomorrow. Man. Has your heart set on that? Taco Bell, man, letting us down, dude, because for real, dude, that steak Supreme Crunch Wrap, dude, is it's the truth when it's at breakfast time. And for them to not even, how, do you, how are you not open for breakfast? What I miss, not a lot of people apparently had this because it wasn't around long, but when they first started doing breakfast a few years back, they had a country breakfast crunch wrap yeah with the with the gravy in it sausage gravy in it what? yeah phenomenal what yeah it was it was the standard Shit. sausage crunch wrap that they have now for breakfast but with sausage gravy and with eggs and cheese and hash browns and sausage patty phenomenal damn in the words of my old friend roderick bays slap your mama good yes quick kind of aside the slap your mama do you guys have slap your mama out there the seasoning like the Cajun seasoning out there I know it's available I've seen it yeah, I've okay. seen it but I don't know that I've had it but. it's fucking amazing just just it's as an aside it's good that's what I use to make my jambalaya with and makes a great seasoning nice we go. so yeah yeah, so if you guys ever want a good spice for anything, I highly recommend that. I will check so, it out. Spice one. Hmm. Right, 187 proof. Fuck yeah. I was kind of All disappointed right. you didn't uh, get some Paris in there too, buddy. The devil made me do it. That's right around the same time as Paris and Spice One. Were, those were my jams for a while there. Paris I'm, with my, two R's. My only exposure to Spice One was the 187 proof video oh, on the box channel back in the day living out in the country not having cable or satellite that was as close as it got to mtv and for those of you unfamiliar with the jukebox channel it was a pay channel where you could call a 1-900 number and for like three or four dollars you could pick two videos to play and they would just constantly run a list of videos you'd have to write down a three or four digit code for that video and then somebody would call in pick videos they'd pop up and play and they'd scroll the options for you to call down at the bottom but the most most played videos that i saw in the time frame i was watching it the thunder rolls by garth brooks 187 proof by spice one uh three little pigs by green jelly baby got back by sir mix a lot off that coochie by two live crew these videos it's a natural are, progression uh, yes i mean just such a variety of options yeah. they have but it was almost always the same videos you would see See, years later, it became pretty much the same thing. I remember there being a version of it growing up, and it was like every other song would be Brandy and Monica, The Boy Is Mine, or Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground. It wasn't quite the uh, the dearth of choices, because then you get stuff on there you've never heard of, right. including like Space Hog, like their second solo, which went nowhere. It's no in the meantime, but right. some just just something like that and you know those little numbers and you'd sit there you know if you're like me you'd sit there and you watch you'd see the little numbers pop up in the bottom screen when somebody would call and you'd get all excited to see what number would be and like one digit would change you're like damn it right you're like you son of a bitch so Good. well gentlemen any parting words or uh, i think we all got our shit in <laughs> Shout out to the regional wrestling podcast with Ray Russell and our good friends Jamie Ward and Roman Gomez. Yeah. Jamie's doing 
the 81 Georgia series right now. I, I've got listened to the first three episodes. It's great. Jamie and Ray break down everything happening in Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1981. The TVs, the house shows, building to the big shows at the Omni, the angles, everything that was happening. Yeah. And some really good stuff. I'm going to borrow a few things for my fantasy booking for the AWA from our territory draft. Uh, and Roman and Ray are doing 1986 Mid-South. You're familiar with Roman Gomez at all. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of pro wrestling. And if, if you're looking for anything pro wrestling wise, footage wise, Roman is your guy. Find him on Facebook. Let him know we sent you and he can hook you up with what you're looking for. And, yes, indeed. Just to clarify that Roman is a great source for footage and he knows how old you are. He won't have to pretend. You, you must really plow. <laughs> That's a Pennsylvania wow. joke. Yes. <laughs> Langhorn specifically. Mr. Mr. Get out of my dreams. Get into my car. As 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 another podcast called him, <sighs> Mr. I thought you said 18. <laughs> So, yes, uh, acknowledge Roman. He is truly one of the heads of the wrestling table as far as knowledge goes. Sorry, I had to I, I had to do that. I think yeah, these guys, they know their stuff, man. It's a great listen. And like I said, you're going to learn so much. Even if you've seen these shows and you think, you know, there's more. There's these guys are peeling the layers on the onion and they're going deep diving on this stuff. And it's super knowledgeable, but it's entertaining. Also, it's not just dry and clinical. Right. You know, these guys have got some charisma. It's a good, it's a great show. And it, and it's an easy listen. Yes. The time goes by very quickly. Yes. Yes. So that being said, go check out all these people we just plugged. They're all fantastic. You know, and we will see you guys next weekend. Thank you for listening. Peace out. Ow. Later.